Hey everyone and welcome back to the Miss Amanda Chen Show. Today I'm launching the second episode of my 100 Masked Men series, The Band Boy. I'm sitting down with the lead singer of a hot boy band where he shares his story on getting rich and famous, how that plays into the male ego, and maintaining integrity with great success. Of course, I had to know what happened touring on the road, the girls, the booze, the fall of his band, attempting normalcy in marriage to the separation and the hearer's journey back into music as a songwriter today. Yes, ladies, he's single and ready to mingle. We did this interview over a couple tequilas and I got pretty heated on how to date with intention in 2020. I hope you guys enjoy the show. Let's get into it. Someone's created a preconceived notion of you, right? Like mm -hmm. how good you are, or how good your music is or whatever. How does that affect how you view yourself? Good question. I think I had the same amount of confidence in the basement than I did when we were playing to like 20,000 people. Always had that, but <laughs> you kind of look like the emperor's new clothes if other people don't also believe that. And so I'd be lying if I said that validation. That's exactly what I was saying. That's why I like to credit the validation was as important as anything. Is when yeah, when people tell you like, oh my god, this is the best song I've ever heard, and it's like you know you know where you were when you wrote it, and it was like a lot of like our first album was from very very humble beginnings. And so to see it like get that validation, yeah, it means just as much as getting paid for it, I would say. Okay. If not more, for sure. You know, there's a moment we opened for Simple Plan, who's a band that like absolutely inspired me. Like I, I like they were from Canada, they like went in the pop direction, just got huge. And the singer said, Man, I can't go anywhere without hearing your song on the radio. It's like every like that was that blew my fucking mind. And like but at the same time, I like to delineate between that type of praise and motivation. And then the checks that were coming in at the same time, which were the most money I'd ever made in my life. But the checks were not like really what made me be like, oh my God, this is it. You know what I mean? Which there's nothing wrong with it was. If people like start getting paid for what they're doing, you should want to stand up for that. But it was absolutely just hearing it from people being like, yeah, your song's everywhere. Or like, you know, I, it, was the, it was the verbal phrase, which spoke to me the most for sure. So you know, it would go gold, then it went platinum, then it went double platinum, things like that. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. That was absolutely a massive source. But it wasn't like, there's no one way in which it was fulfilling. There were so many because I always went back to it. I wrote that song in my dad's basement. I remember where I was. I was taking a day off of work, working retail. Mm -hmm. And so that meant so much to me to get a double platinum plaque for that song that I wrote that for. So I saw this quote the other day. It was called, um, we need to stop objectifying men as success objects. And, and objectifying women as sex objects. Oh, I love that quote. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that that's actually speaks very much to me in my life in terms of like what I've seen as important, what other people tell you is important in terms of success, and also what you would define as success is such a sliding scale. There's countless examples of how women are sort of reduced to whether or not they check that box in terms of like their image and like their sex appeal. And yeah, I think that it's like I've never heard that quote before. I really love it. I think that is the flip side of what would make I mean I feel weird saying objectifying men I'm not <laughs> I wouldn't suggest that we have it tough in this world but um I do think that that is sort of, sort of something that is maybe an unfair gauge by which you establish someone's worth for a man in terms of success because again I think the success is so subjective that uh, it's not fair but I think what we're talking about is like, like usually financial stability and status as opposed to happiness, why, why isn't that success? Yeah, why isn't it? 
because like <laughs> you could say that I was very successful in music, yeah. but we were kind of a blip on the radar. And I don't mind saying that we didn't have long-term success. That to me would be success is if I would have been able to maintain a steady career, maybe transition just into songwriting and things like that, doing music, which is the one thing I've really learned that I love and that I hope to get there. Um, but you know, success for us is, was what like being, uh, you know, our music video being everywhere or song on the radio, but it didn't translate into, it certainly didn't help us have meaningful relationships, you know, outside of that, it didn't translate into, um, long-term happiness. So, but I mean, by every, you know, metric at that point, we probably would have been considered successful. What was the touring life like? Was it what people say it's like? Absolutely. Yeah. So for us specifically, was it like kind of all the rock star shit you hear about? It was not saying that to try and like pump my own tires, but we were lucky. We were very, very like recognizable. We had a reputation for being like a party band as well. And all those like cliches. Uh, <laughs> I read the Motley Crue book, The Dirt on our first bus tour, which is the dumbest thing you can do because every night you're like pushing the envelope more and more. And every night I could come home and be like, well, I'm not that bad. And wasn't what Molly Crew did, especially like, <laughs> injecting heroin on their like private planes and stuff like that. I mean, there's now a lot of stories that are going out on just kind of like bad behavior amongst band totally. members. Did you guys have a tough conversation where you guys all were like, is there any, any bad stuff that's gone in during our touring days that we should be aware of so that if it does come around? Never. And so I would say this, we've all were lucky because we grew up together. We didn't drink when we were getting the band off the ground. We only started drinking when we started getting successful, which actually I think is the, the smartest thing. We were the band that when our friends were all going out and getting wasted, we were like, nope, we're rehearsing tonight. We didn't do anything. We put in the work and the time to get our craft where it needed to be to launch us and be successful. And so I think we actually did it right. And then once we were able to be like, okay, now we're successful, we can let loose a little bit, green light, we did. And I, I have no regrets with that. I knew these guys so well. I know them to this day. They're my best friends. Guys in general know which ones of their friends are the liability. Really? Not, oh, how you know? You can see the way they interact with women or like at a bar. Like this isn't even band guys. You know, like when a guy like says inappropriate things, like, fuck, dude, don't say that. That's like cringy or it's rude or it's like borderline inappropriate. And you either choose to hang out with those people or you don't. I spent so much time hanging out with these guys that I know they're not those guys. I absolutely feel convicted. Now, are there examples in life that people get surprised? Like, I never would have seen that coming? Sure. So I can't obviously say I've never, <laughs> I'm not in the bedroom with these guys most of the time. Sometimes <laughs> on tour you have a roommate. And it was never a conversation we needed to have. And I actually do feel very confident that that's not something that was ever going to be in the cards for group of guys so you had your pick of women i guess you know being a lead singer like was there ever difficulties or situations that you got in with you know women trying to take advantage of you for success or no, or anything? no 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 i want to be very careful with how i live this <laughs> um were girls like always coming up to you and trying to hook up and then if you can say yeah and it sounds like arrogant or whatever <laughs> but i can tell the truth and like absolutely that's what you were famous like. right? 100 that's what it was yeah. like and i think it actually stunted my growth there's a skill in being able to have like an organic conversation turn that into something further whether it's romantic or relationship and i i never really developed that because i didn't need to like it was very very easy to like that was something i was very motivated by was having multiple sexual partners and it was very very easy to do that because yeah they would come up to me and so part of that is why i never really needed to cross oh fuck, that would sound so bad. never needed to cross the line you should never cross the line but like <laughs> you know what i mean i was never put in a position where 
I wasn't being told exactly what they wanted from me as well. So I guess that kind of answers the question. Do I think that I was probably a story for them and that's what their motivation was? Is that like, it's not like that. Now you were the trophy. That's what I mean. Right? How, how much do you really get to know someone when I have to make bus call by 3 a.m.? And that's the window we have to establish any sort of connection. Right. It's very, obviously, strictly physical and they wanted that and they had no intent. I had no idea if they even liked me, to be honest. I think that it was sort of like them being like, yeah, he's the singer of this band. It would be a cool story for my friends. I think that absolutely was a motivating factor for them. Did you pride yourself on having lots of them? Yes, I would say so. So why was that? Like a fun thing to count. <laughs> I didn't count. Okay. I'll say that. I didn't count. Okay. And I've been asked, obviously, how many, and I can say with absolute, complete honesty and conviction, I have no idea. Why was that? I mean, like, it's 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 shitty. Like, it's funny. But, like, at the same time, I'm not proud of that at all. That that, that was uh, my my biggest vice. It was my one motivating factor in every city we went out in. I was trying to meet and hook up with someone new. And so I think that, that is, like, obviously not a healthy way at all of trying to, like, understand your relationship with women and, like, being able to have respect for women and have them respect you. And both of those things are massively important if you're going to establish, like, long-term relationships. You know, there's obviously a ton of women in my life, like even family members who I, I, I hate the fact that I, I know how I felt about women and that there's people close to me that are like, I would just hate if anyone thought of them that way. You know what I mean? I, I definitely look back on that with not thinking it's the cool thing for me to talk about that. Like, yeah, I was, you know, I was fucking chicks and stuff like that. I don't feel like that way at all. So your overnight success came and went just as quickly as it came, right? Like, <laughs> right, you can say so. You have all this attention, all these girls mm-hmm. after you, and you're like collecting them and using them as prizes at this point. When you were falling down on your fame, were mm-hmm. you grasping for that affection, that attention still? Did that mean anything to you? Or was it just part of like, oh, when fame's gone, the girls is <laughs> a package? Or like, you know, because you now accustomed to certain behaviors, right? You walk into a room and everyone knows who you are and they come to you. Yeah. Now you have to introduce yourself all of a sudden. Now exactly it's tough, I mean. right? Yep, 100%. So how was that with your ego? <laughs> Switching, <laughs> you know? I fortunately, unfortunately, lucked out. And right as the band was kind of coming to its end, I met someone and ended up having a very long-term relationship with them and getting married. Okay. And that sort of mitigated any desire. Now, like, I, I, I want to stress how not proud of this fact I am, but when I was in the band, series, I actually had a girlfriend. I should never have. I should have been like, I'm going to be single and just do this. So I lived my life as a single person on the road. So the reason I bring that up, though, is once I the band ended and I got in this relationship and I ended up being married, I was able to completely abandon that, and I never was interested ever in like anything outside of that relationship and I never pursued anything outside of the relationship ever so I don't know why I think I'm sort of a lucky one because your question is a valid one and you would think you're gonna have some like weird transition phases and then you're not gonna actually get into like a successful relationship because of those and I was able to be lucky enough to kind of just do that to be honest with you I was raised a certain way and it got me absolutely through my entire life through school and into the point where the band became successful I think a lot of those qualities and like whether it's integrity and like the way you treat other people were very core values of mine that unfortunately I ignored for the years where the band had success the reason why I think it was easy for me to transition into it is because it wasn't that hard because that's actually who I always was it wasn't as though like I was this lead singer my whole life and then I had to learn how to be a good person it was the opposite what do you think that a lot of other people have that strong understanding of being a good person to lead to that downfall or like where they are they just oh, like still just chasing fame like, it, it could be either so i don't I, it's tough for me to say like i'm 
a jaded person now. I've been through the music industry. I'm, I I don't exactly believe that like your default person is a great person. To be honest with you, I've seen way too many examples of like the way people like what they're motivated by in life. I think you don't even need to be a lead singer to be like that person's selfish or like you know what I mean. And so if you give someone who is already kind of maybe not a the most desirable character success, then I think that's going to snowball on them. And like, again, what, how, what's the, the starting point you're trying to get back to? What would you say are like your vices that if you allowed them to control you would lead to some kind of downfall Jesus. like that? My vices are definitely, I love drinking and I do love women. Absolutely. You have to be able to have a healthy enough respect for like where the worst of that can go, which is what it was like on tour. It was like, it was both to the nth degree, an overload, right? But of course, like a healthy relationship with either is absolutely not that. It's moderation with the drinking and then respectful relationships with the other. I recognize where if I like don't put any sort of like filter on either of those things, where it can go. Well, so if you said that you like women, how did you just like move from like collecting multiple women to just one woman for Like how did you just make such a huge I just think it's as jump? easy as like I'd done it. I was I was over it. I wasn't happy, you know what okay. I mean, necessarily. I'd seen what it did to my personal relationships or relationship at that time. And because I do feel like I'm a good person, I have empathy and compassionate, and I, you just don't want to do that to another person. And so because I saw, I guess, the uh, result of that kind of behavior, I was able to say, well, that's not who I want to be. It kills me that I was that person. Deeply, like, sorry that I was that person. How would you describe what being a good man means for you? You can live by the sword and die by the sword. So I have some very strong qualities. My communication skills, it can be my ability to sell people on the dream. I think that I have exceptional integrity. I love having tough conversations. I honestly do. And I like questioning the things that I thought I believed. And either there's two outcomes. One is that you convince me I was wrong. Thank God, because I was wrong. So I'm yeah. glad that I know this. Or the other is that I was right. And I feel that much stronger that I was right because I actually questioned it. I put it to the test. And so I think these are all qualities about being a really good person that can have downsides. If you're a really good communicator and you're really good at selling people on things, well, that can be very, you can be very manipulative. Yes. And you can push people away from their own best interest to suit yours. So to me, it's using those qualities or like we talked about ego. I think like ego is one of the things that made us most successful because I always had that belief in myself and it radiates to people. Again, if I tell you I'm really good at this, I'm going to have to prove to you that I'm not, I, I, I'm going to have to oversell that I'm not for you to not think that. So when you have that, like, I guess, charisma and ego, it's really good at pushing a project forward and making it successful. Now, of course, ego can be downside too because it's your self-interest only those of others. So to answer your question, all these qualities are things that I think I've used for good and bad in my life as long as I'm able to figure out the perfect balance and harness the good qualities of these things. That is what makes me, like, the man that I want to be. So it's kind of like based on the skill sets that you have, choosing the moral high ground of those skills mm -hmm. to be used for good versus for yes. your own yep. there's a dark and a light to all those qualities i think why do you think men chase something that wasn't an intrinsic skill so like you know you're saying like you know you've always been a leader type so you're going to be a leader type mm -hmm. some people that are not leaders seek to be leaders mm -hmm. because maybe that's their vision of what success is supposed to be like mm -hmm. why i think a lot of men do this like why do they chase something that's 
not their stuff. Well, I think it ties into what you said earlier, uh, success for men versus uh, sex appeal for women, right? So if we say success for men, status, I've heard countless stories of like, I studied HR actually, people who are trying to be leaders in the situation. And a lot of that can be like being friends with people and being nice to people. And there's some people who are so introverted, it's actually painful for them to go out and do that, but they've learned that. And so I think it's to achieve what you think is important is becoming less and less what you actually think is important and more and more what the world tells you that you should think is important. Now you can actually have, probably make a good debate on that not being the worst thing, not being able to take it's on good work skills. ethic yeah, in that sense. 100%. Yeah. And you can find success and happiness. But uh, there's entire industries built around people like trying to become better at public speaking for that very reason, right? Is it a bad thing that people are trying to learn these skills? I don't think so. But again, I think it's them trying to achieve something that they're being told they should. That's an everyday struggle for people. I, I, I know exactly what that feels like. Trying to like find the balance between being responsible and providing for myself and others and also trying to do it in a way that I'm pursuing something that I know I love. It's tough. What parts of like the masculinity, hunter-gatherer kind of story do you agree with and which parts you disagree with? Say? Um, I agree with... That's a good question. I agree with the aspects in terms of I think there is something... And I want to be very clear. I don't think that these are exclusive to men. And if, if women have some of these qualities too, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And I don't think it should emasculate a man. But I do think that what, what we would typically call traditionally male characteristics and what's positive about them, work ethic and the loyalty and an, an ability to be a provider and you know, I mean, make someone feel safe, I have to say that's not just men's jobs. But I think that those qualities lend themselves towards being like a loyal caregiver. So I think those are positives. I think that if you can, man or woman, have those characteristics, they're good things. The negatives are, of course, cliche that you have to be guarded, unemotional, non-communicative, and resolute and stubborn is a huge problem. Because I think that the only time you're going to have a mutually beneficial relationship with someone is when both people feel like they're being taken care of. So a man would be like, well, I'm taking care of you. I'm paying the bills. So that's absolutely not how you fully take care of someone. Because there's an emotional side, there's a communication side. And that I think the traditional male image as this person who is non-feeling and rigid, I think that unfortunately then the other person is actually not taken care of at all. So how have you navigated being more emotional than your peers? Do you get in trouble with them? Do they disagree with you? Do they call you soft? <laughs> so I don't think I'm more emotional. I do think that I'm way more inclined to have open, honest, tough conversations. And so men, women, both, I've had, you know, that's been tough because when the other person isn't into communicating that same way and they don't like talking about things and they like to like have more time to themselves, for me, it's painful. I'm like, no, we have an issue. Let's deal with this right now. My thing is like in two hours, we'll be so much better off because we'll have hurt each other. We'll know where we're coming from. But I've had to learn that just because I work that way does not mean that other people work that way. And so when you try and force someone into conversations and having like, like, let's talk about this right now. And that's not what they're at. It's almost like quicksand. You're trying to get out. You're trying to make it better, but you're actually just pulling it further in because you're making them more closed off. When have there been examples where you felt like shame or you felt like called out? You reacted by you know, the guys loud. or by either. <laughs> There's one time, this is so dumb. One time where we were in Winnipeg and I met a girl. I said I was going to stay overnight as opposed to taking, because the bus leaves at 3 a.m. every day, right? Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to ride before the opening bands tomorrow because they're staying overnight. So I figured out. Okay. Well, the reason why you don't do that is because what if something goes wrong? What if like something's delayed? We're touring the middle of winter and something did go wrong. I missed our sound check because I like stayed behind and like I showed up and it was like an intervention. The guy's like, this is so fucked, you missed sound check. And unfortunately, this is at a time in my life where I was not going to be super introspective and humble and be like, okay. And I started 
turning it on them. Being like, guys, I'm a sound check. Who cares? Like, I wrote these songs. I know them. That's bullshit. That's such a fucked up thing to say to people. And I was like, you guys, like, I'm here. What are we What are we talking about here? But how often do relationships have these conversations where someone does something fucked up and then they try and, like, maybe gaslight you and be like, well, you're crazy. Like, what are you talking about? Like, it's not a big deal. I'm here. It's like, well, yeah, you didn't come home last night. You know what I mean? It's sort of the, the same analogy. This, this isn't okay. So I feel like a lot of the times with women, they're just like, hey, are we on the same page? Why do we have to wait until that happens and and usually by the time she comes in with like hey we're on the same page it's because she's got like a laundry list of moments where she thinks that she's been disrespected in some way or been treated as less than in some way or like deprioritized right Mm -hmm. it's usually about the same conversations right and you don't know in like which parts of your communication that that fell apart but then now you're hearing this awkward conversation of like you know how are we on the same page how do you communicate this how would you want to in the future establish those modes of communication so that it doesn't become this big jump at the you know three month mark when you, Fuck, you know, yeah whatever. it's a good question and like honestly i don't know if i'm the best guy to answer this because i i think it's still something that i'm working on in terms of being able to be assertive with people and it's not because i want to be manipulative in any way and just be like well if i don't have the conversation i can just get whatever i want until we have the conversation that's never my thing in fact it's sort of the opposite i feel like empathetic and if it was something that I felt could let the person down, I try to avoid letdown. Fortunately, though, that's not how it plays out if you're not being like open and honest and like nipping some of that stuff. But because eventually it's just going to be more unhappy. It's going to be more disappointed in you and feel like they had gone down the road they thought they were on that maybe you didn't think you were on. Then you probably had the opportunity to like, let them know. I don't know. I think it's still like a work in progress for me because I mentioned I was married and I am no longer married. And so like as I get into the dating world and things like that, I think it's it's very, very important to try and be open and honest with people in those. Well, yeah, because you don't want to ruin the moments. What matters to you? What like, matters to me is that like any relationship or any person that I get involved with in any way, whether it's a very short period of time or if it's like something that is more regular, is that they feel like happy and fulfilled and respected. That's big to me. Because I, I don't think it's fair to say that like any relationship that's purely like let's say physical, of course that still has to be built on like a relationship of respect. Sometimes when you don't have those conversations or maybe they feel like it's getting serious and you don't say anything about it, well that's not showing them the right respect. I'm not saying I'm perfect in those things either. I do find Unfortunately, there's times where like I have to maybe communicate what's going on later than was fair, but it's never with intention. Have you ever had a girl tell you that you disrespected her, that you didn't agree with or didn't realize that you did until she told you? Oh, a thousand percent, though. I've had conversations where people will be like very upset that they thought that this was maybe going somewhere. So they thought they were misled. Misled, a hundred percent. I cannot think of an example where I intentionally ever misled someone where I was like, I'm just going to tell them this is what they want to hear to get what I want at their expense. I don't think of that as like I've ever done that. But of course, I recognize situations in which I avoiding any sort of like serious conversation while my actions would probably suggest that I was like super invested in it. So you're saying that you had your own intentions. You didn't voice them, but then instead you behaved a certain way that suggested different intentions mm-hmm. that she read. Yeah. So don't you think it would be of the right integrity to clarify with your words yes. that oh, yeah, <laughs> that totally was your intention, not the actions? Because if there are no words, the only thing she can read are the actions. You're 100% right. And it's the consequences are twofold. I'm not immune to feeling. I think I'm exceptionally like empathetic for other people. So there's a letdown because I've hurt someone. I don't want, I never want to see people hurt, ever. And so when I know that someone's hurt, it's because of me, that hurts me. And then on the other side, I'm disappointed in myself because I'm dealing with it and I've caused like a bigger problem for myself by not being, you know, assertive or whatever 
in the beginning. Yeah. So yeah, I absolutely don't have an argument against you on that one. I think you're on it right now. So. <laughs> well, you say you like having hard conversations. So how come you don't have this hard conversation well, with women? It's a, a really good one. I guess here's the thing what it comes down to though, is it would be me initiating a conversation like at the start. So like again, like let's just get the elephant out of the room. If we're talking about let's say, hey, by the way, just so you know, this is just us hooking up and it's nothing more. It would be up to me to say that, right? And yeah. I guess technically that's fine. It just feels so fucking like rude. <laughs> Why? I don't know. Maybe because it feels like douchey. Why? I don't know. So I told you I don't really know how to have the conversation of consent when it happens because it's kind of like, oh, the mood and one thing leads to another. And I hate that story. But mm -hmm. what I do is like, hi, I'm attracted to you. Sex is on the table. Mm -hmm. You can take it off the table. You can leave the table. It's on the table. And you say this. Yes. So then now that sex is on the table, you can now elaborate on all the things about sex. Does that include penetrations, include this, that, whatever. Mm -hmm. right? And then now you can have a conversation about that and then do it. Right? If that is not on the table, mm -hmm. everything's nuanced, you're all dancing around the table, no one knows for sure what's going on. Right. So then whoever puts a statement on the table is all that there is. So if someone says, hey, I want to see you again, that's on the table. Wanting to see each other again. That means quality time. Mm -hmm. Right? If it's not quality time and it should be just sex, you need to replace that and say, no, it's sex that's on the table, which can include quality time, but that's off the table. You know what I mean? So why wouldn't you be comfortable to express that? Because I don't want to wait for one thing to lead to another and then there is a potential debate about consent. So I'm going to throw it on the table now and say, hi, this is it. Are you in or are you out? But what I've realized is when I do that, because I'm a woman doing it, it freaks guys out, right? Because they're just like, she does all the time. And she's just fucking throw sex on the table like this. You know, it gets all weird and whatever. But I'm just trying to communicate it so that you will respond. So I think it actually is more important that guys start the conversation and put it on the table and say, hi, I'm attracted to you. I want to have sex with you. We don't have to do that today. Yeah. But, you know, that is the game. And I like you, but I don't want a relationship. I want to have fun with you. Is that cool? What Are you afraid of her answer? No. Like, then what, what's wrong with that? A hundred percent. No, you're totally right. And like, so you are definitely challenging how I would approach that conversation because I would never think of putting it that way. We recognize that it's okay for two people to just only want to sleep together and that's it, right? That's totally fine. But for some reason, I feel like, and maybe this goes back to what we were talking about, is how a lot of these interactions in my life, people coming up to me and asking it for me, mm -hmm. that when I am in the situation where it's, it's wrong, but I guess I would feel, I would feel like a douchebag if I were to go up to a girl and be like, hey, I'm attracted to you, I want to have sex with you. Like, oh my God. <laughs> like, I feel like there's so many ways that could be taken just wrong. And like, I would be that story of like, like can you believe this guy fucking said this to me? Really? So you think there'd be judgment and she would like react like that? Depending on how careful you are with your words, your actions, and your body language, you could absolutely risk becoming an example of, like, fucking men nowadays. Like, this guy just came up to me and said he wanted to have sex with me. Do you not think that that's a possibility? Yeah, but then at least he was honest, right? Versus, okay. like, hey, you know, can I buy you a drink? How's your day? And then, and like, oh, this guy likes me. He wants to get to know me. He wants to date me, blah, blah, blah. It's okay. like, no, look, all I just wanted to do was fuck you. So you think it's wrong for someone to say, okay, I want to have sex with this person. So the way I'm going to go about it is I'm going to have some icebreakers and some conversation. Uh, I understand even as I'm saying that it could definitely be construed as manipulative, right? Yes, yeah. right. Yeah. Like, so, so what annoys me is, here, here's some examples. Like if someone comes up to me at a bar and they say, I like your smile or I think you're pretty or like any kind of aesthetic value, like appearance, then I know it's going to go to something physical because you just talked to me about something physical. Mm -hmm. Nowadays... I would say like the nouveau fuckboys today would say something like, you look like you work in a creative industry or I like your tattoos because it reminds me of something or whatever. Something not 
so appearance-led, not like, hey, I think you're really pretty. Now you're introducing that emotional connection that mm. might mislead me to now think that you actually want to get to know me and like me and seriously date me. So like, at which point do we now have that conversation to say like, hey, well, what is this? Because if you just said it straight out, like, hey, this is what I want, this is what I'm into, this is all I... I think you're unique in that form, though. I don't think you're the norm in terms of like wanting a guy to just say, hey, that's all I want, just to say that right off the top. Well, then now I have the power to say yes or no. Your logic right? makes sense to me. I'm not arguing with that. I just think that your ability to take it at face value and say, hey, I respect that. No or yes, whatever, it makes sense to me. I think oh you're God. exceptionally in tune with the nuances of these conversations and what they can suggest as opposed to everyone thinking like you. I just think there's not, I, I, I don't know like if everyone would be as respectful of the guy just getting his intentions out of the way. That's my only point. But what is the, are you afraid of like being judged as like, oh my God, I can't believe you just like forwardly said that he wants to have sex with me? Like what, what is Yeah, I, I, cause I never want to come across as like- Creepy? Is it like- what Creepy, is it? yeah, 100%, <laughs> okay. yeah. I don't want to be a creep. I'm like <laughs> deathly afraid of being that guy. And yeah. you know what's funny though, is that what you mentioned, I actually, I felt this way for a long time. But these white knights, I, I've heard the term, where these guys who are like so like over the top respectful are yes. actually just as bad because they're like trying to prey on the uh, setting themselves up as this guy who is it's a it's a wolf in sheep's clothing in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. I find them to be like the most, and I find it to be transparent too. I don't even think they do a good job. I think most girls recognize me. Like, oh my god! Like for me, here's the thing though, and then maybe this is part of it too. Is if I see someone, I'm attracted to them. That's like the animal instinct, whatever. That's like it's a very easy box to check. If I actually am at a point where I'm like, I need to talk to this person, it's almost never ever to be completely honest. With you, I'm not just saying this. It's like I just want to have sex with them, and never talk to them again. Because what motivates me is like, okay, well, yeah, I'm attracted to them, but like, I I don't know that I won't want to see this person for a long time. I haven't even talked to them yet. And so I would initiate this conversation, see how that goes. It's entirely possible that what purely physical attraction leads me to be like, oh my God, this is such a, like a cool connection. Like, I don't even need to sleep with you tonight. Like, can we like hang out again next week? Because to me, it's like, I feel like value in that. So for the initial icebreaker, there's a difference between being like, all I want to do is have sex with you and saying, all I know about you is that there's a physical attraction. Let's have a conversation and maybe there's more. Is that fair? Okay, so what's wrong with saying that? There's nothing, but I don't think that I necessarily need to say that. Why, why can't I be like, what's your name? What do you do? Because, yeah, I'm saying it because there's an attraction. But why would I say right off the top, like, I just want to have sex with you when I don't even know that's what I want? Well, you do know at least you don't want a relationship. But I, know, well, I don't know that. Oh, so couldn't she change her mind? 100%. Why would, I would never shut the door on being like, I'm attracted to this person. The only way I would ever say, like, I definitely never, ever want a relationship is if I was already in one. Right. Which is probably why I shouldn't initiate that conversation to begin with. And I wouldn't. Yeah, no, if I was single, I would never shut the door on there being a possibility with something. What decides whether or not that's possible has way more to do with the conversation we're about to have than the looks. So how is it when, like, okay, you see someone that you're attracted to, you mm -hmm. go talk to them, and then you're surprised, I guess, by their personality and the chemistry and all the things that you're compelled to continue to get to know her, at which point do you make the decision, like, that's my future wife, okay. versus you can potentially fall in love with her too, right? So, like, right. how opportunistic are you, and shouldn't you have some boundaries to be like, hey, like, I want to get to know you up until this safe zone? Yeah, of course, because it's like... I think it's up to each individual person. Like, I have a hard time, like, getting involved with someone with any sort of long-term thing. I don't need to know that I'm going to marry this person. 
If I know for a fact that I never will, though, I cannot pursue that relationship. I just can't do it. That's immediately, I lose, like, interest, and even the physical side becomes, like, not interesting to me. What's the difference between... The unknown? Between, yeah, like, being... Because there's nothing about this person that would make it a deal breaker. So I want to get back to the part that you're open to relationships, Mm -hmm. but I don't think you're in the market for a new wife. Right. No. So you're definitely like open to you know, kind of different types of relationships and getting to know more about yourself as well as how you interact with others. Yeah. Don't you think it would be a waste of time if you didn't express that to someone? Like, you know, you, you end up having a great relationship with this person and then like a few years go in and they're just like, hey, is marriage on the cards? Like, oh, it never was. Yeah. No, right? I would never do that though. I would never go years. Like, like I, I think what you're saying is right. Yes, 100%. I think that it's a conversation you should probably have as soon as you know. Right. And like, it's possible that you like, don't know what your own intentions are when you start a relationship with someone because think about how you meet people like we're not we're, we're describing a lot of like going up to someone at a bar well you can meet people a million different ways mm-hmm. you know they can come into your life and like it's you can they can be a co-worker you know it can evolve from there for me if it's starting to turn into something the second i know i could never end up with you in the end your example of like a few years into something there's no i would never be that guy so how come there's guys that i guess you, i don't even know if you intentionally do this but keep them at arm's length as in like You'll see them when it's convenient for you, not really compromise anything on your end for her. And then she reads into that and says, you know, how come I'm doing all the compromising? You're not. Um, And then you're like, look, this is all I have available for you emotionally. And then give it to her to decide if she's going to stay with you. And let's say she does. And that this happens so much. So much. Right? I know exactly what you're just saying. So she stays, and now she allows for that kind of disrespectful behavior. Will you have that conversation and make sure be like, hey, look, I already told you that I'm not available for you in this sense. Would you then let her go? Or would you say like, okay, well, if you're okay with this, then, then we'll, we'll carry on. That's a very, staying? very good question, okay? Obviously, there's like on paper what you should do, how you would feel. But then I recognize in the hypothetical you just gave me, I don't know why, but like I do think that there's like an inclination for someone to be like, well, I really do like spending time with you, though. And it is so fulfilling for me right now. Humans are, I think, naturally predisposed to a certain level of selfishness. And so you can justify a million things under the sun about, well, I never said I wanted to be with her forever. You know what I mean? Just because it suits you to be like, I really get a lot out of this relationship right now. I do know it's temporary for for myself and where I'm at. But I don't want to risk losing this in the meantime because I enjoy it. So I'm just never going to have the conversation knowing for a fact that it's... Not what she wants. Yeah. And And she said it. And no relationship like uh, is going to be well functioning when someone gives up who they are and what, like what fulfills them to make someone else happy. Let's use an example with kids. If you get with someone who you know they want children so so bad, and you know that you don't, mm. if you're to convince them that they don't want kids anymore, I feel like that's going to be a terribly a huge problematic route to go down. Because even if they genuinely feel that they don't want them anymore, it's like okay, I don't because they want like people get obsessed, right? We know that we like absolutely turn off our own best interests to stay with people, especially early on in a relationship, which is like honeymoon phase, like you'll compromise like I don't know but it's difficult but then for the person who doesn't want kids they're probably thinking well I also don't want to lose this person I'm going to say what they need to say to keep the person around but wouldn't you just say no and then go find a person that also doesn't want kids well of course you're right but it's so much easier said than done by the time you built an attachment to someone it's crazy what people will compromise on I can only speak from experience this whole conversation you can probably tell how much music has been a motivating thing for me in my life it's been a passion it's absolutely something I put on the back burner because I don't think it's what my partner wanted me to pursue. I knew I was sacrificing what really makes me who I am. And when I am pursuing that, I think I'm more self-confident. I'm more me. And then I'm a better partner because of that too. When I was turning that part of myself off, 
I, it was because I was so invested in that relationship. And I have no regrets about my relationship, really. Like, I wish I hadn't turned off the music thing, but I also think that it was, like, one of the most fulfilling things I've ever done in my life. <laughs> it sounds, like, harsh to say, but, yeah, why wouldn't it be like, oh, okay, well, good luck, go find someone who's got a great job then. If that's what you, that's the box you need to check. Yeah. Go ahead. And I need to be with someone who's, like, well, we'll figure it out as we go. Yeah, like, wouldn't you feel happier if you were still, if you could have both? You know, you can have a girl and the music, right? Like, and, yeah, I think I could make a good argument that you can. Yeah. I think it, it all comes down to if you want to work it out. Because we could have, yeah, absolutely, we could have found a space where, like, you know, compromise. But, and it's not what she signed up for. She came into my life when I was done with music. I, and I thought I was, but mm. I'm not that smart. I, wasn't. I don't know. I think it's interesting. Like, everyone comes full circle. I was a writer 10 years ago, and mm. I deleted my blog because my boyfriend at the time didn't like it. Oh, so. I'm not so, Yeah, because you know, like, this was your thing, and you were told not to or whatever, and you wanted so badly to keep, keep And I think out. by, like, all outside metrics, I had gotten to as good as your life can possibly be in terms of, like, a relationship while sacrificing that relationship. I had such a great relationship, but even that couldn't survive the initial me giving up music. Because you shouldn't have given up anything. I never should have, and so that's my point. Have you heard of the um, Jonah complex? No. Um, the whale guy? The whale guy, yeah. So yeah. do you know the story? I know I know about Jonah, but I didn't know there was a complex attached to him. Do you know the story? He got swallowed by a whale and I lived in there. And yes. it's, I don't know how it ends. Okay. Did he get out? Yes. Okay. So he was told by God to tell this village about the ways of God. And this village was currently living in chaos. So they don't know what good and bad is. They're just living in complete chaos. And he's like, nope, fuck that. I'm not going to go tell these people how to live right. They're just going to attack me and freak out and whatever. So out of his own self-esteem issues, he was just like, no, I'm not going to do what God has destined me to do. So right. I think we always feel this where like your destiny was music. But mm -hmm. then you're like, nope, that's too big for me. I'm going to go to do something else. Fuck that shit, right? So that's what he did. And he went on this boat, okay? And again, he's in this boat. And because people don't know the difference between good and bad and right and wrong, it's chaos on the boat. So the boat's like rocking and like the water's freaking out and whatever. And they're just like, something is wrong with the boat. We don't know if it's the sails or something or like whatever. Let's just start throwing shit off the boat mm -hmm. and hope that whatever the problem is... <laughs> leaves the boat because they don't know. So Jonah's like, nope, my bad guys. It's me. I'm the one that's not following my destiny. I'm going to jump off the boat. So he jumps off the boat. Water's calm. The boat's fine. The boat continues. Hmm. Right? So he saves the day by getting people to go continue on the boat. Now, because he's now following his destiny, the whale eats him up and keeps him there for three days and three nights. So basically what happens is you defy your destiny of music, right? You go into this chaos. And everyone's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Everything's going... This is so normal, right? You're like, why does nothing fit? Then you decide, okay, fuck it. I'm just going to not do this anymore. Whatever this escape is. And now you're in the bottom of the sea. This is like your lowest point of low. Right. This is where you get that self-reflection. You spend three days, three nights mm -hmm. figuring out what it is. And he survives in this whale's belly. Mm -hmm. Comes out of the whale and brings the light to these people. Mm -hmm. Right? So the whole complex is how long are you going to be running away from your destiny? You know? Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I like that. You can't. Yeah, live, you no. can't live a fulfilling life with the most beautiful relationship if right. you never got to fulfill. No, your that's destiny. a good point, right? Like, well, yes, I know I need to do music, and like, I feel like I want to do that, but of course, I'm not going to. It's silly to do that because it's like it's so hard. I'm going to go to, back to school. I'm going to like start just doing things just to make money or just to like get a family and just to do all that stuff. And I mean, yeah, I guess it turned out a lot like Jonah. 
I mean, we'll see where the story ends up, but like it definitely was an example of like pushing and pulling away from what it is I know that I feel I should be doing. And what I'm good at too, that's the other thing. It would be one thing if I like loved music and I fucking sucked, but I've been given so many examples in my life that I don't suck. It's funny, and I do feel like I'm in the best place I've been in so, so long now that I've been able to make music as big a part of my life as it is now. Yeah, I think people are more afraid of greatness than they are afraid of failure. Like, you're more prepared to be okay with failure than you are with greatness. I like quotes. Okay, so I'm going to wrap up with one last question, or two last questions. First question is, what ideas do you male peers, if you want to stay specifically in the music industry or not, have about women that you disagree with? I think it's obviously, it would be, they have to look a certain way to be successful women artists. And I think there's obviously going to be examples of the outliers, but they're outliers. And so I don't think women are held to the same standard of talent. Yeah, and like, I don't mean to pick on the guy, but like, Ed Sheeran is so fucking talented, but the equivalent as a woman who is that talented, but maybe not as like conventionally attractive, would have way more work to do. Because I think guys can be slobs, they can be like, whatever, purely the physical side of being a woman artist is way, way, way overblown. And we probably miss out on so many covers because of that. Yeah, I think that's just like pop culture in general. Yeah, you're in the entertainment industry. All of you have to look good, but there's so many examples of guys who don't, is my point. You and I maybe spoke privately before about my lottery ticket analogy in the music industry, and I think yeah. it's perfect. It's like as many things you have that, that set you apart give you the best chance of winning. You'll still probably lose, but you have the best chance. And I think that you know, for women, unfortunately, the, the one ticket of their looks is going to play a way bigger role than for a guy. And then with that, what negative ideas do your female friends have about themselves that you wish change? It's a very good question. I hope that they're able to realize how much we need them. Because as soon as like you recognize that they bring something important to the table, then the power dynamic shifts because it's no longer them needing your help. It's you need them. And so I would like to see more of a playing field where women know that what they bring to the table is they're giving you a service. And I know it sounds very vague, but in terms of like music, I think that unfortunately you have to play, everyone has to kind of play the game in terms of being really nice to everyone, breaking relationships. But again, I think it's like absolutely disproportionately on women to like just be friends with everyone and like cool with everyone just to like kind of get their foot in the door. And I wish that that was something they could maybe shift. Unfortunately, that's only going to come with positive reinforcement and examples of them being like, oh, I was right, actually, I'm this important. Because until the industry tells them that they're important, it's going to be tough. So it's really, that's why I'm saying it's tough for me to weigh in on what I think a woman should change about her perspective because she's, unfortunately, probably, they would be getting the message that everything they're feeling is valid. Yeah, because it's, it's you know, the world that's that they live happening. in. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I think you're right. If there's more proof points that reinforce that fact, then that would change 100%. their ideas of it. Yeah. So based on all of the topics that we've been talking about, yeah. what topics do you think that we were not able to cover today about gender norms and women and men and our roles that you wish that I can find more men to talk about? You know what I think would be an interesting like path to go down is when you and I had that very like obvious stalemate with your believing that we need to be more intentional like right off the bat with our like you know where where things are going. And I think it'd be something you could explore with another guy is that like to even hear a girl say like, yeah, that'd be totally fine with me if you said that and I can choose yes or no was eye-opening to me because I my idea was that... You like, don't go there? <laughs> honestly, like, and I, I would 
never. And like, if you were to ask me before this interview, how you would react to someone saying that, I'd be like, oh, she freaked the fuck out for sure. <laughs> okay. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I think like you're very assertive and like you have boundaries and you, you, you stick to them very clearly. And it's important to you. I was very surprised to hear that. I think that if you went down that path with someone and like get from a guy, that's what I like about this idea of the anonymous thing is like, I have questions. What is okay to say? And it's not from like trying to be a guy being like, I'm so fed up that you can't talk to girls anymore. They all, they all freak out. I don't believe that. I think that there's so many years of like creepy guy behavior that they were trying to shut down for the better. But I would love to, I would listen to a podcast where the guy could ask you to elaborate more on why you think that's okay. And also how he would have, I don't even know. How do you think your friends would react to that? So I would love to hear you elaborate on that. <laughs> okay. What did you think of that? Am I the only one who thinks this way? Or do you think it's a better idea to get your intentions across as soon as possible? I mean, that way you can say yes or no. And if you want to take on this guy's challenge and elaborate on this topic with me, slide into my DMs at Miss Amanda Chen on Instagram. I got a long way to go here. We're just at the second man, so keep him coming. Every episode is going to have a different vibe. I might be speaking to an old friend or a complete stranger for the first time. So make sure to check in again next Wednesday for another episode of 100 Masked Men. See you guys next time.